Hey, K First, happy Resurrection Sunday. I'm so excited that you've joined us today for our Easter service. If you would, two things. Would you share this on your Facebook? Just hit the share button and put it out on your feed and help share the story of Easter. Also, if you're watching on Facebook Live, would you just Type in a hello, but specifically where you're watching from. Maybe it's in Galesburg. Maybe you're watching from Paw Paw. Uh, maybe from Texas Township, Schoolcraft, Comstock, uh, Plainwell. Wherever you're watching from, uh, would you just type in that city? Uh, my goal from Easter is actually to go back on our live stream and look at all the cities and pray over the cities that are being represented. Maybe you're watching from Detroit. We've got friends over there. Uh, we've got friends that watch from mid-Michigan and some friends that watch from different states. Would you just type in where? you're watching from if it's from a different state go ahead and and type that in we would love to see where you're watching this from if you have your bibles i want to talk to you from john chapter 12 john chapter 12 there's an amazing story that i just want to share with you today as we just dive in to this idea of our easter story what I love about spring, and I look outside and I see just a gorgeous day, um, I realize that I think the thing that we love about spring the most is it's the, this idea of newness. Now, oddly enough, here in Michigan, um, spring is different. We begin to see buds on the trees. The potholes are in full bloom. Uh, we begin to see things develop on the ground, like grass begins to grow back and get a little bit greener. Um, oddly enough, in Michigan, over the past 72 hours, we th see things like sunshine, high winds, rain, hail, um, snow. We see a little of everything. I mean, spring has definitely sprung and it hits us in such a weird way here in Michigan. But again, it's this idea of newness, and we love newness, especially in our Western culture, our American culture. We love newness, but there's a problem with newness is we tend to chase its feeling. We love feeling new. The idea of buying a new car to get that new car smell. Um, we love the idea of being in a new friendship or being in a new relationship, uh, painting a room to give it a fresh new feel, um, buying new clothes and wearing that on Easter Sunday or, or out on a date with our spouse. New is something we send, tend to run after so that we can feel fresh or feel new. Feeling new is something that just hits us at the soul level. It's like there is a part of us that desires the feeling of being made new. But that's what gets really misunderstood in the kingdom of God because Jesus has not come that we would feel new. He's come that we would be made new. And that's something we need to grasp and understand because I think sometimes we can get around preaching or this ideas of Jesus is that if he can just make us feel new, then everything's just going to be all right. And we chase after simple feelings. We want preachers to make us feel good. We want the Bible to be read in such a way that makes us feel okay. As long as we don't have to change and we have the feeling, then okay, we are just fine. But listen, we're not after a feeling today. We're not chasing after something that's that surface. We want Jesus to change us from the inside out. We don't want the feelings. We want to be made brand new. And that's what the Easter message is all about. As I've shared before, um, us Behringers, we are not good at taking care of plants. Um, 
which we just, we kill them. We kill fake plants. We're terrible at it. We have lost a tree out front. I planted a new tree and we have this ongoing discussion that the tree is dead. I see buds on it. So it means there's some sort of life there. So we don't know how long that one's going to last. And so even today, we're going to try to plant something else today and we'll see how this one actually goes. But I love the idea of plants because it should be, it should be so simple. You have dirt. You get, I've got some seeds here. We'll have some water. We'll get some sunlight. Um, we're going to kind of, or try to take care of this thing. It should be that simple because if there's something that I remember learning back when I was a kid and we had a little bean and we put it into dirt and we watched the bean grow, it's something called germination. Germination is the process by which the seed stops being a seed and begins to develop into whatever type of seed it was meant to be. Because the goal is to become the fruit or the flower, whatever it, type of seed it is, the goal is to grow and to be that which it was kind of born to be. That's germination. Now, the beauty of germination is seeds were meant to be, uh, the, the word is regenerative. It is a regenerative process. So it goes to the ground, it stops being a seed in order to become the flower, and the flower produces more seeds that fall in order that they would become more flowers. Seeds begin the flower, beget the seeds, beget the flower, beget the seeds. It's this regenerative process. And that's something that I think that we can understand within the kingdom of God, is God has designed something in this world for us to receive in order to give in order to then receive and to give and we begin this process of giving and receiving so the kingdom of god flows in and through our lives this is what i want to talk about in john chapter 12. the context of john chapter 12 is we have what's called the triumphal entry that usually gets celebrated on Palm Sunday, where Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a colt. People were waving palm branches at him. They were shouting Hosanna in the highest. Uh, they were celebrating him, throwing their coats on the road that he would ride over top of that upon the road. And they were hailing him as a king and receiving him as a king. And he came um, to, to give us life. And they were celebrating, wanting Jesus to restore things in, in their own way instead of his own way. And and after this all takes place, he has this dialogue with his disciples, his closest friends. And he says in verse 24 and 25 of John 12, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it will bear much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. I mean, look at that. He immediately identifies this idea of what we are talking about today, this idea of a seed. Verse 24, unless a grain of wheat, a seed falls in the earth and it dies, it just remains alone. But if it dies, it will bear much fruit. The idea of the seed going in and allowing that regenerative process to take place, germination. And then he says in verse 25, whoever loves his life loses it, but whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Now, that may seem like a really harsh language. Jesus doesn't want you to hate yourself. He's actually using specific language to help you to understand this. The harder you want to keep life on your own terms, the more you're going to miss out on life as it was meant to be. He's like, if you just embrace 
the life that you were just kind of handed and the life on your own terms, you're going to miss out on how life ought to be. But if you're willing to give up what you think you have in order to embrace what he wants to give us, we're going to understand this abundant life. Now, Jesus is really talking on two levels. When he talks about the seed dying and producing, he's talking on two levels. First of all, he's talking about himself because we know that just a short time after, he will give up his own life that we would receive life. He becomes that seed that was planted in order that life and life abundantly would be unleashed. But also for all of us, that we would have to decide, will we let go of our old life? our life before Christ, our life outside of Christ, are we willing to let that go in order that it would produce something new? Now, this is something that is very huge in the Christian world. And I grew up around preaching like this, but this is more than just a Christian concept. This is a reality of life. Because if you think about things like marriage, uh, you go into marriage uh, dying. Let's just say it that way. When you put that ring upon your finger and your spouse has that ring and you give vows at that wedding, right there, that is a place of death. The two are no longer existing. It's now one. The two die in order that one life would be present. And you no longer live as a single person. You live in a new mindset. You live to serve one another. You live to serve one another as Christ served us. And you live in a brand new life. You don't, you stop living single. That life has, we'll say it this way, died. Or think about this, um, us in our 40s and 50s and 60s, we shouldn't be living like teenagers any longer uh, because we're not teenagers any longer from experience and life and responsibility. We should be living a different life because we've got situations like families and jobs, careers, responsibilities, and things that are so different than how it was as a teenager. That part of us is gone. We should have left that behind. Um, I wrote this down. You can't embrace the new life Jesus has for you while trying to hold on to the old life you lived. You can't embrace the new life Jesus has for you while trying to hold on to the old life you lived. It's true of marriage, it's true of just natural adult maturity, and it's true of following Jesus. You can't become, you can't become a flower, you can't become a tree, you can't become whatever this is supposed to become while holding on to what you once were. I mean, you can keep trying to be a seed, you can keep acting like a seed, but don't expect a fruit of what you think you ought to be while still trying to remain in the place you, you once were. Verse 25, Jesus uses those terms, you must hate, or the ESV says, whoever hates his life. And the, and the reality is, we ask ourselves, why does Jesus use such drastic language? I'll tell you why. He's not doing it so you have self-hate. He's not talking about self-hate. He's not talking about hating yourself in, in this very tough, drastic, like dramatic way. What he's talking about is priorities. We love holding onto things our own way. We love holding onto doing things our way right away. Uh, personally, I love holding onto my own greed. I want to serve Jesus, but I still want to be greedy with things. I love Jesus, but I still want to hold on to being stubborn Dave. I want to keep following Jesus, but yet I still want my own preferences. I still want to be able to judge people the way that I want to judge them. There's still human sides of me that want to 
keep holding on instead of letting that part die in order to embrace the life that Jesus wants me to live. That's what he's talking about. When he talks about hating your life, he's talking about will you prioritize life in Jesus over the life that you think you should have? Are you ready to embrace what God has? Or are you unable to embrace it because you're too busy holding on to the way things used to be? You see, you can't embrace new life in Christ while you're still trying to hold on to the life that you once lived. You see, this idea of dying to self is an act of surrender and trust and this idea that we have to trust Jesus more. You see, the seed must surrender to the soil in order that new life would be born. Because you have to understand, this is not just what Jesus taught as a metaphor. This is the life that Jesus lived. And Jesus believed this, lived this so much that he actually went first. He says, you know what? You have to be like a seed. And I want, I want this to be so real to you that I'm going to go first. I'm going to show you. And that's where he laid down his life for you and me so that he could be planted. And when that death took place, that even though people mourned, three days later, he was risen again with new life. The seed went into the ground and the new plant, the flower, the tree, the life was born three days later. And Jesus didn't just show us that way. He invites you and I to do the same. He invites us to do just that, to do the same thing, to let go of old life, to experience the new life he has. I wrote it this way. You cannot have a resurrection on Sunday without a crucifixion on Monday and Friday. You can't have a resurrection on Sunday without a crucifixion on, sun, on Friday. You can't have a new beginning without an old ending. And often you hear me say it this way. Jesus is never meant to be your accessory to your life. He's got to be more than the gold chain that we hang on our, around our necks and on our life just to accessorize our life. He's got to be more than just a fish symbol that you've stuck on your car to make it look as if you're following Jesus. Jesus didn't come to accessorize your life. He, he's come to give you brand new life. More than a feeling, he wants you to be made new. And so for there to be resurrection on Sunday, there had to be a death on Friday. And that's what we're talking about today. It's allowing our life to be planted in by faith in his presence in order that we can lay down old life, that we can die to an old way of living. We can stop thinking the way that we used to think. We can stop holding on to things the way we used to hold on to. We, we can stop talking, gossiping, slandering, uh, backbiting, complaining, judging the way that we used to judge in order to rise and to be the resurrected one that God's called us to be. I also wrote this. Some, uh, some are waiting for God to bless their old life. God wants to us to receive the blessings of new life. Some of us just want God to bless our old life. God, why can't I just be the same and you just bless me here? But understand this, that God wants so much more for you. God has so much more in store for you. And most of us miss out on so much that God has because we're too busy trying to put together what we used to have. He's got more in store for you. And what I love is this, is that when Jesus is crucified, the gospels make it known that Jesus was buried in a place called the garden tomb. 
I have been to the garden tomb. I've been to it twice. It's a gorgeous place. It's a place of just uh, this, there's a solemn, beautiful presence there. But it's, it's a beautiful irony that it's not just a tomb, but it's a garden tomb. It's a place not just of, of death, but it's a garden. It's a place of life. And it's there at the garden tomb that we get in Luke chapter 24 that ladies are arriving to go deal with the body of Jesus because Jesus is dead and they've shown up with spices. They've shown up with things to help continue to prepare the body and to treat the body. And the question is, why did they show up? Because they wanted to help the body and honor the body. They weren't showing up to see if Jesus rose again. They were showing up to treat the body, to keep the body dead. But they see angels and they are shocked and confused. Why? Because they simply showed up thinking we're going to go and just honor our dead rabbi. And they are shocked. And I love the words of the angels. The angel said this in Luke 24 verse 5. Why do you look for the living amongst the dead? Why are you looking for the living amongst the dead? In other words, didn't you know what this is what he came to do? Did you not hear the things that he had taught? Did you not hear about the metaphors a week ago? Did you not hear about the seed that fell and would go into the soil and would die and be birthed into something fruitful? Didn't you realize what he was talking about? Jesus' death and resurrection reoriented everything that we do and every way that we think about life. It completely took everything that we see in life and took a reorientation about it and helped us to see things differently. Now, think about this. The only time physically we can ever be made new, the only time we can do it is when? It's birth. And you had nothing to do with it. It's the only time that you have been physically made made new and you can't ever repeat that. Physically, you can't do it. So from the moment you are born, you are born going in a direction, well, toward death because it's appointed upon all of us to once, you know, be born and to once die. And you're thinking to yourself, this is the most depressing story illustration that a pastor could have on Easter Sunday. But this is the beautiful thing. The way of the world is you are born and then you die. So you peaked when you were born. Congratulations, you, everyone, every one of you, you've peaked already. You peaked when you were born and then you were born to one day pass away. That's the way of the world. But when Jesus resurrected, he changed everything. That's the way of Jesus is this, regardless of how you were born, when you were born, what you were born into, what families you were born into, things that you have done, things that have been done to you, regardless of how things have started, that you can be made brand new because of Easter Sunday, because of the resurrection, that you may have had a terrible past. You may have had things done to you that were of no choice. You may have had life handed to you that you never even asked for. I'm here to say that instead of chasing a new feeling to try to help you cope with the situation in your life, you don't have to cope anymore, but you can give up your life to the Lord and he can give you a brand new start and a brand new life. The cross changed everything and gave us our Easter story. You see, the death and resurrection are your invitation to transformation. Jesus' death and resurrection is your invitation to transformation. And he's the one that makes all things new. He can take hard hearts and make them soft. He can take broken pasts and make them beautiful again. He can take every wound and heal them. He can take every dream that has died and and give you hope 
everlasting. He can help you restore every best effort that you had and give you the grace to keep going. He can help remove the idea that I'm not good enough and to realize that you are new in him. We are in a place where we have to recognize that Jesus can and has made us new and we have to realize that we are more than just a seed. You're more than just a seed. I came across this cool little parable, and it's called Acornology. It says, once upon a time, in a land not so far away, there was a kingdom of acorns nestled at the foot of a grand oak tree. Since the citizens of this kingdom were modern, fully westernized acorns, they went about their life with purposeful energy. And since uh, they were acorns, they engaged in a lot of things that were helping each other out. There were numbers of courses and seminars that they took. One was called Getting All You Can Out of Your Shell and Who Would You Be Without Your Nutty Story? There were woundedness and recovery groups for acorns who had been bruised when they fell from the tree. There were spas for oiling and polishing shells and, uh, and various acorn pathetic, acornopathic uh, therapies to enhance longevity and well-being. And one day, in the midst of this kingdom of acorns, there suddenly appeared a naughty little stranger. Apparently, he had dropped out of the blue by a passing bird. He was capless. He was dirty. Making an immediate negative impression on his fellow acorns, they all looked at him and scowled. To make things worse, he crouched beneath the mighty oak tree and he stammered out a wild tale Pointing up at the tree, he says, we are that. Delusional thinking, obviously, the other acorns concluded, but they continued to engage him in conversation. So tell us, how do we become that tree? Well, he said, pointing downward, it has something to do with going into the ground and cracking open the shell. Insane, they responded, totally morbid. Why? We wouldn't become acorns then. We wouldn't be acorns anymore. I love those words. We are that. This simple little parable about silly acorns, they look up at the, at the oak tree and instead of seeing what they could become, all they could worry about is what they were and what they had been. But I love those three words. We are that. That is the message of Easter. We are that. You are made for more. You are made for more than what life handed. You're made than more, more than just for heartaches and heartbreaks. You are more than just different addictions and afflictions that have come your life. You are more than what's been done to you or what you've done with your own life. You are more than all the things that have said or people who have said they've owned you or the things that you owe and the debts that you owe to other people. You're more than your highest highs and the, your lowest lows. You are made for more. You, I look at Jesus, I'm like, you're, you're made for that. You're made to bear his image. You're made you're there to bear new life that he can give you. You don't have to keep holding on to your old shell. You don't keep having to hold on to your old way of living. You can keep holding on, but I want you to lift up your eyes and begin to see a resurrected Savior and begin to realize you were made for more. 
This is your Easter story. But it starts with seeing that you are more than just a seed. It's time that you were made for more. About a year ago, I bought some seeds that had come from California. These are seeds for the redwoods. And the simplicity of what I'm going to do today, I know it's going to take decades for this, these things to actually go into fruition. But these things have been sitting in my, in my office for the past year plus, and they haven't done a thing. Why? Because I've kept them in a plastic bag and have done nothing with them. And so they've sat there. They have not sprouted. They have not blossomed. They have not done a thing. Why? Because I've refused to let them be put into position to become anything. So today I'm changing that. Today I'm actually, I'm putting them in the ground, hoping and praying that they can become that which was the purpose for which they were born, to become more. Like an acorn looking at the oak tree. I want you to look at the new life and the resurrection of Jesus and realize you are made for more than who you are and who you've been. And it starts with you just simply recognizing it's time to move forward. Can I ask you a question? What are some areas in your life that you need resurrection life? What are some areas of your life that you need a resurrection? Is it your marriage? Maybe some relationships? Maybe your finances? Maybe you've been living in a lot of fear during this quarantine time and you just need some new resurrection life. I remember growing up hearing people tell me that I wasn't allowed to, to admit the areas that I needed in life because I gave more power to those. But I, I've always had a philosophy that that which lives in darkness grows in darkness. And if I can shed some sunlight, if I can shed some light upon a seed, upon an area, I can give opportunity for something new to grow. Write this down if you would. Honesty is the location where God meets you and begins to lead you towards something new. Maybe you've lost your purpose. Let's be honest about it and let God breathe something new. Maybe you've lost some hope. Maybe you're living in anxiety. Maybe you've got broken relationships. Maybe you've lost some dreams. Would you today invite the resurrecting power of Jesus Christ into those areas? Would you take that seed Maybe something you feel that you've been holding on to, that you've been afraid to let go of your life because of things that have hurt you or things that have been done or things that you've seen. Would you let go of your life and how you have been grasping onto it? And would you allow that to be buried in the presence of the Lord? Would you let it be buried there and release it to the Lord in order for him to birth something new in you and through you? Would you do that? I want to read you out of the message paraphrase, John chapter 12. It says, listen carefully, unless a grain of wheat is buried in the ground, dead to the world, is never any more than just a grain of wheat. But if it's buried, it sprouts, it reproduces itself many times over. In the same way, anyone who holds on to life just as it is will destroy that life. But if you let it go, reckless in your love, you'll have it forever, real and eternal. That is the story of Easter. And it's the story that I'm hoping that you'll embrace today if you're willing to let go of your life in order to embrace the life that Jesus has. Would you just bow your heads? Would you close your eyes?
I'd even challenge you to get into a posture of prayer. And, and what I do is I just hold out my hands before the Lord like this. I'll just bow my heads and close my eyes and just hold out my arms as if to symbolize giving up something, but also be being ready to receive something. Would you just open up your hearts? And if you're here today and you're not in a relationship with Christ, would you just simply say, Jesus, I give you my life today like a seed to soil. Jesus, I give you my life. I offer it over to you. And yet my arms are open, not just to give you my life, but Lord, I want to receive new life. I want to be made brand new. Maybe you're here today and maybe you're following Jesus, but there's some areas of your life that need resurrection life. Would you do that same thing? Just hold open your arms as if to say, Lord, I give you this anxiety. I give you this broken dream. I give you our marriage. I give you my grandchildren. I give you my fierce over this virus situation. I give you our financial situation. I give you our jobs. And we ask for resurrection life to be poured into that. Jesus, I just pray for every single person believing that you're gonna do something magnificent here today. I speak resurrection life in every single household and every single heart, believing God that as we're willing to release life, life as we want it, life as we prefer it, life as we have demanded it, as we just release that into your hands, Lord, I believe that, Lord, you're gonna take that acorn mentality away and give us an oak mentality that says there is so much more, so much life in you because you're gonna make us new in Christ Jesus. I bless this time and I bless this service in Jesus' name, amen.